1: Hello everybody and welcome back for our second episode of the week on the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. Everybody's here. Wyatt's here. Jared's here. Bart's here. Aiden's here. we got a nice show for you today. We're mixing up a little bit of college football talk and a little bit of NBA talk. We're going to start with the college football talk. Since the inception of this podcast, one topic has permeated our discussion through the entire course of it. And that is the size of the college football playoff. And we finally got some resolution on this issue. As the College Football Playoff Committee announced last week, it was expanding to 12 teams sometime between 2024 and 2026. Under this new system, the top six conference champions will get auto bids, with the next six highest ranked teams also getting bids into the playoffs. The four highest ranked conference champions will also get a first round buy. Um, And there's a lot to discuss here, but we'll start with our resident playoff expansion hater, Jared, what do you make of this decision, and do you like the format as it stands? I think it's
0: expected with all the noise that people were making it was inevitable that this would happen uh, at some point. Cincinnati and UCF can get their participation trophies now, which is what everybody wanted in the first place we're gonna We're gonna now have sort of preseason games happening in the postseason when UCF plays um Whoever they play, Notre Dame. Whoever they play, it's going to feel like a preseason game, but that's fine. Notre that's Dame. what people want.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> a. Yeah, both of you don't think Notre Dame would blow out somebody in a playoff game. Yeah, <laughs> even
0: make the playoffs. Um, <clears throat> it's it's annoying how much power the major conferences have in shaping it, and that they get the auto bid for winning a conference. On the one hand, I I get it because there's a lot of subjectivity with the rankings, and winning a conference is something that's kind of objective, but. It seems absurd that Notre Dame could never get a bye because they aren't in a conference. Even if, let's say, they were the best team that year, by the eye test or whatever, which I feel like is normally right. To be honest, um, we're gonna lose September meaningful games, but we'll gain more November and October meaningful games. So, I think if that's the, what the sports want, if that's what the sport wants, so be it. I'll give it a try. I'm too tired to fight it now. At this point, to be honest, so. Um, it could be good, like maybe more November-October games, like I said, could be more fun, but we'll see. I'd also be fine if they just got a bunch of sports writers together in a smoke-filled room and, and picked a champion again. <laughs> I'd be fine with that, too, at this point.
1: Here's the thing. I really like it. I think from like a lot of perspectives... um, Shocker. It's an improvement. And I wanna start from I wanna start from Notre Dame's perspective. Because you alluded to Jared that it might be a downside for them that they can never get a first round bye. But I think it's a huge win. Because think about it. Notre Dame gets the fifth seed. They're the best team that hasn't um, won their conference. They get that top seed. Instead of having to play in a conference championship game for that extra game, they get to play the twelfth seed. Like I would rather if I'm Notre Dame, instead of having to go up against you know, join the Big Ten and have to go up against Ohio State and maybe lose my playoff bid, and if so, maybe get, like, the 11th or 12th seed, instead, I get to go undefeated, play my 12 games against whoever, and then my extra 13th game is against the runner-up in the Big Ten, or the, you know, or the Houston that makes it, or the UCF that makes it. Like, I would prefer that over the chance of, like, losing out my bid. So I think it's a win for Notre Dame, actually, and in the bid to stay independent, Um, another thing I think, I don't know if it's been discussed enough, I think this could like really halt the realignment sort of stuff as well, because what, it's much easier for a team now to make the playoff in the Pac-12, um, than it was at any point before, so like one incentive there is now for Stanford to go to the Big Ten, when it's going to be much harder for them to make the playoff, there'll be like 18 teams or whatever, um, it makes sense now for them to stay in the Pac-12 fight, and maybe once every few years, they win the conference. And stuff. So I think it sort of does probably have that effect of like stopping the crazy realignment. Um, And so I think from those like two big sort of like meta perspectives, one Notre Dame specific and one college football perspective, I think it's a plus on that front as well.
2: I don't know. Just looking at last year, though, I feel like there. If we're gonna use that as an example, I see I see plenty of teams that I didn't need to see in the playoffs, slash didn't think had anywhere near a chance of being the best team in college football or winning the title. Like last year if we took the top twelve, Michigan State would have made the playoff. They lost fifty six to seven to Ohio State a couple weeks before the decision was made. They'd already clearly shown they were not the best team in the country. We didn't need to see them in that game. The same goes for like a two loss pit team who lost to Western Michigan A three-loss Utah team would have made it, which Utah was legit, but three losses, do we need to have them have an opportunity to win this? just doesn't feel necessary. I'm not against expansion. I just think it should have been six or eight or even ten would have been better, because I feel like when you look at the tail end of who would have made it a lot of these years, it gets kind of rough. And also opens the door for, say, Bama has a down year and loses three games they could still make the playoff and win the title and maybe they deserve it in that case but it's just it's annoying you know like what's if we're letting three lost teams in i feel like that makes the october and november games less important to some degree because you know if you're losing three games how important is every loss
0: yeah i know it does yeah, make know. every game it does make every game less important but there probably will be more meaningful november october games mm-hmm.
1: There won't be any meaningful for meaningful September is like,
0: games, though, which, you know, that's a bummer.
1: I'm okay with it. Like, I think the thing is, like, people are always like, college football has the best <clears throat> regular season, which I agree with. It also has the worst postseason. I don't think I can honestly... Mm. There's never honestly been a time where I've been excited to watch the college football playoff. Except when Notre Dame was in it. Because, like, for a lot of reasons, it's, like, a month and a half after the season ends. Like, I kind of already know what's going to happen. Like, at least with, (laughs) like, if there's a first-round matchup between, like, West Virginia and, like, UCF, like, I don't... Like, something wild could happen. Like, there could be an... Like, that could be an interesting game. And to that extent, it's, like, I would rather an interesting postseason over an interesting regular season in a sport any day of the week. And I think, like, making that choice... Is good, and I don't also necessarily agree that like you know like Michigan State lost that crazy game to Ohio State where they got destroyed. We know they're not the best team. Like if you look at like the NFL for example, like look at the twenty twenty box. They won the Super Bowl, but then they lost a the game by thirty five points to the Saints in the middle of the regular season. They lost a couple back to back games against the Rams and the Chiefs. And I know it's different in some extent. It's like in the NFL there's more wiggle room, but I think like people are making the logical jump that there's going to be NFL level wiggle room, and that's not true. When only twelve of one hundred and thirty five teams are making it. That's a big difference between fourteen of thirty-two teams making it. Like there's gonna still gonna be not that much wiggle room. I feel like in that case, is the
0: postseason so, going so. to be
1: more entertaining? Though I guess would
0: be my question. I, we're still probably, probably gonna get the same result. It's just gonna be oh, we just threw in a couple more bowl games that we now call a playoff game. I don't know. <laughs> but those I
2: games will, at least hopefully will be interesting. Be more interesting. Th- no, I think the post- postseason will be more entertaining. I just think overall. Like, the whole point, as Lucas, you mentioned, the people love the college football regular season. I think it m- makes it mean less. I really do. I think I it does. agree with you about the the fact that it'll be fun to see some of the larger matchups, or the matchups between a, a 5 versus 12. I'll definitely be watching it. I just don't understand why we had to expand from 4 to 12. It seems excessive, and we could have just gone to 8. Or even 6 to start with, and I feel like otherwise mm-hmm. you're dealing with a bunch of teams that just haven't earned their place there and then again it hurts the, the meaning of the regular season. I,
3: don't, I just I think sticking your nose up at a three loss team is just like the snobby elitism that people have for college football <laughs> and saying that Why? our playoff guys are undefeated every single merit. year. But I mean like I, as an Ohio State fan I don't know how many times I've watched them drop a game to like a Rutgers team. It happens in college football and I think that even if a team happens to have two to three losses, it's not like a team is going to be like Six and six going into the playoffs. Like these are teams; these are still going to be talented teams, and they're going to rank them accordingly. I-, I don't believe that it's going to get to a point where we're watching Rice versus Alabama in the, the second round of
0: the playoffs. Yeah, that's not like, even what Aiden's gonna- saying, though. That's not. We don't. We, we don't need to see Michigan State versus Ohio State again. That's for sure. But it- anything can happen. It happens all the time. Like, it's, it's obviously
3: like, not the same. Be right the same way, reason why but Ohio State's that- going
2: to make it every year, and that's yeah. annoying. I don't think there's any point in that. Like there's a year to year that when you look at the college football play, like, yes, there's been teams that reoccur over time. But you also see some weird, you know, alignments like UW uh, making and whatnot. And you're like, oh, someone had a special year that year. Even if they lost in the playoff, they had a special year. And in a 12-team playoff, you didn't have a special year if you're Bama or Ohio State. And you you lost three years and ended up 11th or 10th.
3: I mean, but you, but you still could. You don't think that having a 12 team playoff coupled with the NIL deals will eventually spread out the pool of talent across the board? Like a kid be like, oh, I can I can still play for my hometown in Michigan State and be able to just make the college football playoffs, rather than saying I have to go to Alabama or I have to go to Ohio State to make this make this happen. Like maybe for the first couple of years, Alabama might still dominate, but I think that over the long run, there is there is going to be parody in the college football playoffs
0: i don't agree is is making the playoff much more of a carrot than say winning the rose bowl for example or just winning even winning your conference the rose bowl yes. will be part of the play i either right? i want to i either want to win the championship <laughs> like I, I think it's i think it's honestly a mentality of if you're not first you're last i don't really know what, thing, what do you like, gain from getting a participation pr- participation trophy in the playoffs versus <laughs> i'm coming home with a rose bowl trophy the Rose Bowl is a participation time. trophy. Participation trophy. Exactly trophy, yeah. exactly what it is. That's okay, is then, it. Then exactly what any fine. of the bowl then games if are. They're particip- if you're not first, then you're last. There's no <laughs> difference then.
3: <laughs> of course not. That's the game of football. But, I mean, but sometimes it- <laughs> people who are last <laughs> place can be first in the next race. I mean, it, ha- it happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: it's,
4: it's the same thing but, Lucas has always said about UCF, though. Like, why why not give him the chance, at least? Which, to Aiden's point, sure, it could have been yeah. eight. Six. Six.
2: Also, I, I do agree with the point that, in terms of parody and whatnot, even if UCF is going to lose, isn't going to win the championship, for example, we've seen from bowl games that a, a UCF-like team could win their first-round playoff matchup, and that'll probably be taken more seriously than their bowl wins. I mean, like since he almost beat Georgia in the Peach Bowl a couple years ago, UCF had a couple New Year's mm-hmm. Six bowl wins. I believe that a group of five team could win one of those first round matchups and that would probably get them more respect than their current, you know, secondary kind of bull wins. We'll see.
0: We're going to save the receipts for that 2026 game and the recruiting classes look the same will The format mm-hmm. with the first-round buys, I think, <laughs> only delays the
4: blowouts that we've seen one round. That's mm-hmm. all that's going to happen. The first-round <laughs> games are going to be competitive because those teams are much more closely bunched in terms of talent. But then once you start playing against mm-hmm. the top two, three seeds, it's going to be the exact same thing.
3: So, I'm telling you, it's going to uh, get more spread out. College football is going to get more spread out as, as it goes on. I don't on. know if I don't think how many times, how many times in,
4: the talent disparity.
3: Maybe not. Yeah. But, I mean, be, look, but I agree. How many times have we seen a team like U Dub make the playoffs and then never capitalize off that momentum? But now a team can say that we've made the playoffs three years in a row or something along that lines. Here's nil money. Here we can get you from the transfer portal. We can do this. We can do that. And then now we have a chance to actually build fleshed-out rosters. And I think that it just kind of adds more weight to to these programs and, and what they've what they've actually accomplished. Kids don't care about whether they won the Rose Bowl or the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl or whatever. Like nobody they care about, the playing, Bowl they care about playing. Nobody and losing cares in a about playoff that. game. They care about playing in the playoffs. People can play yeah, and you don't, but you don't go in to lose. You play in the playoffs and then you just you you take whatever outcome you can get.
1: Yeah, and the thing is it's like Jerry, you're like, oh, like what matters more a playoff appearance or Rose Bowl win. I and but then you also say like it's all about championships. If you win the Rose Bowl, you're never winning a championship. But if you make the playoff, you could at least win a championship. Like I think it's like a fundamentally different way of looking at the game like if i can make the playoff i can in theory win a championship i don't care about the you know, alabama's better they're better, for the like whatever like at least you in theory have a shot like you're in with it if you're playing in the rose bowl you have no shot
0: i'm not talking about what do you have a shot you, can, i'm not talking about can you win a playoff though i'm talking uh a championship i'm talking about did you or didn't you only one team yes but if you that. make and what does it change what does it change sure. if you went if you made it to the playoffs versus hey we made it to the first round of the playoffs. We're knocking on the door versus, hey, we just won the Sugar Bowl. We're knocking on the door. There's no difference. Who cares about the Sugar Bowl? Uh,
1: it, who cares you about it your first round playoff win? Nobody ca-
0: nobody will care is all I'm saying. It's, it's
1: not going to change anything. It's still – yeah, it's still p- what Bard said. I, we were, I think we're going to
4: see a lot more players not sit out the last few games, which might be bad for playoffs, yeah, yeah, which is a separate discussion. True. But I do think they will play yeah. more often well, because they'll yeah. want the chance at least.
2: Yeah i understand that this will get more group of five teams in to have their shot and they might actually be able to show that they're worthy of taking on some of these teams but i also think the by and large what we're going to get more so are power five teams who have already shown that they're not the best are going to get in and i don't want to watch more
0: also the argument that also the argument (laughs) that people are like how can you be against this? Do you not like college football? We're not adding any games. We're just taking away bowl games and making
1: them into a playoff game. It
0: doesn't have anything to yeah, do well, with I, we don't like college football or
1: whatever. I am I hate mourning them. the loss of the Battle Frog Pinstripe Bowl. You know?
2: <laughs> that will still be there. There's yeah, it no will still they, be there. You know, <laughs> it's, no it's literally a rebrand. It's a rebrand gonna, of
1: games yeah. that were being played. I mean, it's. Yeah, but they matter now. Like it matters now. I also love we haven't talked about this at all that the first round games are played at the home field. That's cool. That is cool. I want to see USC have to play in Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be They're so
0: already tough. gonna have to do that in the Big Keep Ten. Oh, <laughs>
1: well, that that's a great point. Okay. I wanna see Alabama have to play in Wisconsin in yeah. January then. <laughs> you know? Yeah, has Alabama ever
4: played I'll- like North? Of <laughs> Is Wisconsin
3: making the, the playoffs? Line. Line. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just picked Wisconsin. I don't know. It was on the mind. Um, very blue collar. Very blue collar. It's cold. It's yeah. probably the coldest after Minnesota, but I don't think Minnesota's ever going to make the playoffs. So. Whoa. Wisconsin's the next most likely. DJ Fleck, he just Fleck is rowing the boats. That's, so right. that's not a hot take. Book that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> ever. Book that. <laughs> ever. <laughs> <laughs> After Lucas uh, is (laughs) below the ground, we'll still hold him accountable for this money. 80 years from now,
1: (laughs) if I, for whatever reason, am the first to go, and in like 2080 or whatever, Minnesota makes the playoff, you can still drag me. I'll take that.
4: Doubt the playoff is going to last that long. Yeah, there'll be some new iteration.
1: (laughs) There'll be a climate apocalypse at that point. It'll be like, you know... (laughs) We'll be in the metaverse. at um, that moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. It'll be like that one episode of a Black Mirror where our consciences is all get uploaded to like the cloud. That's what it's gonna mm-hmm. be. It's
3: like every episode of Black Mirror.
1: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> 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 anyway, Minnesota won a national championship in 1960, so that's like there are people who are alive who won in 1960. It's an 80-year swing, so. it's coming back, it's big if true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all cyclical. Yeah. Okay. Well. On that note, um, we're gonna move into uh, some NBA for a last little bit. Um, the Utah Jazz made a big trade this week. They traded guard Donovan Mitchell to the Cleveland Cavaliers for Colin Sexton, Larry Markin, Ochai Ab- Ag- Agbaji, three first-rounders, and two pick swaps. So Bart, the Cavs are going all in on their young core. Um, great players like Darius Garland, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, and now Mitchell on that team. But did they go all in too early with their young core? I don't think
4: so. I I personally endorse this move. I think they made the right call. Um, Let me start with the guys you just named. If you just look at their core, they have guys who are 22, 24, and 21 in Garland, Allen, and Mobley. That's two all-stars and then like a runner-up rookie of the year last year. So now they've added 25-year-old Donovan Mitchell. So I think in one sense, this whole core is still super young. And they're gonna have time to gel Mm -hmm. together they needed somebody like donovan mitchell because like first of all they just needed like a shooting guard generally speaking Mm -hmm. and they also needed a guy who can actually like play on the ball dribble create things like that they were kind of lackluster in that department so mitchell does fill a need and like i know some people might point to the stats and say that he is not really much of an improvement over colin Texton, but he most definitely is So I think in that sense it also Mm -hmm. makes sense. Like maybe not necessarily as a scorer, you can make the argument, but like definitely all around he is. So like now they have a question mark at small forward, whatever they'll figure that out. Karis LeVert will play there for now. Isaac Okoro might develop into a beast. But I think it it makes sense because like the alternative is what they they sit on those picks, they sit on that like young talent that they did trade away, and they hope that one of those picks hits and becomes a Donovan Mitchell type player it's really unlikely to me. I mean, those are going to be late round picks for the most part. So now they have those four really young guys who can get a ton of playoff reps together and try to actually develop into a contending team. I don't think they're going to be contending this year. I don't think most people will tell you that they're going to be contending this year, but I do think now they're competitive in terms of like being able to play a competitive playoff series against the top teams of the East. And I think within a year or two, this team might actually be good enough to be one of the top teams in the East. I think if you look at, previous teams like the Warriors before their dynasty, the Bucks before Giannis won them one, even the Celtics who made the finals this year. You always need playoff reps before you actually reach the finals. Like, it matters. So I think it's meaningful that they have a guy who's going to get them over the hump. Obviously, they were just a play-in team last year. They're going to be in the playoffs consistently now, and I think that they might actually develop to be a really good team in the East within a few years. I know the contracts might not work out. Donovan Mitchell might leave, yada, yada, yada. But for now, I think their alternative is worse. So I like this move.
1: Yeah, I love this move. I think that it like at this point, like this is one of the best, like balanced rosters, just like one to f- five in the entire NBA. And while they don't have any like maybe superstar superstars, I think like Donovan Mitchell on his day can be a superstar. I think Mobley had one of the best rookie seasons we've seen from anybody in a long time and has like superstar upside. I think Darius Garland, maybe not superstar upside. But it's going to be just like a really great player in the NBA for a long time to come. I think Jared Allen is a great player. I think just like the balance that they have on that team, one through five, is so good. Like, yeah, I'm with Barton. Like a year or two, it would not shock me at all if they're one of the top teams in the East. Like they just have so much talent. And I think it would be sort of in the model of like the young Warriors and like the 2015 winning the title. Where it's like, yes, Steph is like obviously generational talent, but it's not like... I, like Steph wasn't Steph in 2015, if that makes sense. It's like they were just like a young team with a lot of good players all around, and maybe one of those guys turns into Steph. I don't think that's probably going to happen. They're not going to be a top 10 player all time. But I think as like as the rest of the NBA, um, and especially the East, like is messing with their rosters. I think that like keeping this core for the Cavs through the next three or four years could turn out to be some really, a really really good thing.
3: I think we all agree that first-round picks on this podcast, the first-round picks in the NBA are borderline worthless. And we see a lot of teams (laughs) like the Oklahoma City Thunder, who they sell, they just take on bad contracts, whatever. They have tons of first-round picks every single year, and then they end up drafting as one of the first five teams in the NBA draft every single year, at least they've had in the last couple of years. where. Bart is exactly right that what else are you going to do? Like You have to go ahead and capitalize on something like this. And trading those three first-round picks for Donovan Mitchell is almost nothing, especially considering that Colin Sexton was not a guy they were going to keep regardless. I mean, he was basically like this free throwaway, market marketing, whatever. Um, and they didn't have to give up a Jared Allen or a Carol Silver anywhere as well. And if you look at the rest of the roster outside of like their core is pretty young, I think Evan Mobley is going to be an All-NBA player at some point. Darius Garland will probably be an All-NBA player at some point. I love Jared Allen as the second best defensive center in the league. But Ricky Rubio, Karis LeVert, and Kevin Love are going to be the next unit of guys underneath there. And they've all had very high success, especially Kevin Love, who's won a championship. So I think that as as far as their roster is concerned and the way it's built, Donovan Mitchell is considered a a veteran. Ricky Rubio, Karis LeVert, and Kevin Love are considered veterans. And they have a really healthy balance between young and old, and at least the young stars are the guys that they're going to highlight uh, for, for the, the next season. Most young teams like the Knicks, the Hawks, the Hornets, have had flashes of showing a lot of potential and then regressed the next year. So I got to applaud the Cavaliers for saying that we're not going to be one of those teams that takes a step back. In fact, we're going to do it whatever we can to make sure we're a lock for the playoffs next year. I think it was a great move.
1: And, like, I know we're talking about, like, projecting down the line. I wouldn't be shocked if they're, like, a top-four seed in the East this year. Like, I think that, at this point, it's, like, I think Boston and Milwaukee are probably clear 1-2. But after that, I think it's, like, a little muddy in the East. It's, like, you have the Heat, you have the Sixers, you have who knows what, like, the Nets are going to be. Like, and but, like, I don't know. Like, I'd throw the Cavs in there at this point with this roster. Like, it'll take some development across the board. But, like, it would not shock me if they were, like, if we got to the playoff time and... And were like them and the Sixers fighting for the three seed in the East or something like that.
2: I mean, they were kind of around the four area last year until they <laughs> kind of fell apart after the All-Star yeah. break and whatnot. So I definitely think that's believable. But to, to go to your point, Wyatt, I think I'm glad the Knicks, who were – commonly associated with Donovan Mitchell. It seemed like the the sexy pick for where Donovan Mitchell was going to end up did not get him. And I don't agree with the idea that a, a first-round pick in the NBA is worthless. I think it's a lottery. like It is. But if you have enough of them, at some point you're going to hit and at some point you're going to miss. I think with the Cavs it made sense to go in on it. But I think the okc and the jazz and whatnot stocking them up they're gonna hit on some of these picks and it's gonna be big and i don't think it makes sense for for a knicks team for example to give up rj barrett who isn't amazing but is you know one of the more promising things they've had in a long time plus a bunch of picks to take on donovan mitchell who i'm I'm not convinced is going to be the the best player on a championship team or anything like that so I was happy at least in the scenario that the Knicks didn't go for this. I think it's a fit for the Cavs, but I'm still not convinced that this is like a you know championship making move for the Cavs. So I don't think that's what they're going for here. They're they're trying to get better, and they have a lot of young pieces that who knows how they'll develop, but they could be very good.
3: I don't think Donovan Mitchell is the best player on the Cavs. I think Darius Garland is the best player in the Cavs. And I think that this just makes sure that Evan Mobley doesn't have to become the second best player for them to be successful next year. Eventually, I think Evan Mobley is going to become the best player in the Cavs. Mm-hmm. And Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland mm-hmm. will, will kind of play two and three off of each other however they see fit. So as far as like whether or not he was going to be the best player in a championship team, that window has passed. And I don't believe that that's what the Cleveland Cavaliers look at him for. I agree for the Knicks. It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense for them to make it. Cause the Cavaliers have a mindset there. Their picks are going to be like pick 15 and beyond, and everything. And for the Knicks, they had a chance of being one of the first six picks, especially given some of the trade packages, like the last one that they sent, which was RJ Barrett and two first-round picks. Like they they were given up, I think, better talent. Um, so the Knicks are probably going to have to wait this one out a little bit. But I just. You know, if you're Cleveland, what else are you going to do other than capitalize? They're, they're not going to be a team that's going to get free agents. And at the very least, the Knicks, hopefully at some point, will be able to land somebody who actually matters, you know, to come over there. So,
2: yeah, we, we keep saying that. Or keeps <laughs> yeah, saying that. It's, it really doesn't exist. I am. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, no, I agree with you on that. I, I think that I agree that Donovan Mitchell isn't the best player on the Cavs, but he is going to be the focal point of the Cavs at this point. I don't I don't think. Darius Garland's going to be the focal point over Donovan Mitchell given the usual scoring output you seen see from Donovan Mitchell. So I don't know if that will mess with anything.
0: Uh, yeah, I think uh Aiden to your point about first rounders.
2: Yes. I mean, I think a lottery is a
0: good description of it. Because aren't this are the Celtics not an example of that strategy working? Mm-hmm. At least two of those picks, I believe Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown were from the Nets trade, right? And then Jason Tatum obviously also was a homegrown, like, draft pick. So they have three of their core. Tatum was from we're the Nets. We're all homegrown draft picks. Oh. What's that what? I think the Tatum one was
3: from the Nets as okay. well. Someone yeah. can fact check me.
4: Pretty sure Robert Williams was also drafted by them.
3: But but um, how many times has that happened? Like the Warriors have happened, but they didn't necessarily trade for like a lottery pick the Mm -hmm. celtics happened and then most of other teams who who have these picks like you you see like it's just as easy for phoenix to draft deandre Ayton over luka it it happens that even if you have the right picks or Mm -hmm. as many picks as possible doesn't mean you're going to make the right choice so i just don't know if it's a guarantee i think sometimes you might just want to trade for commodities yeah known commodities
0: well, you know what is a known commodity—the quality of this podcast. If you would like, if you do believe in that statement, please give us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, give us a follow as well and subscribe so that you get notified when new episodes come out. And then follow us and continue the conversation on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at Lunchpale Guys. Underscore. We appreciate you, and we'll see you again next week.